This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 426, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you.
FBI Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 426. I am Josh Flanagan. Today with me here are Connor Kilpatrick. Hola, mi amigo. And the wickedly talented Adele Dazim. Hooray! <laughs> we, and I know <laughs> it's a stupid joke, but I can't get it out of my head. It's really funny. It's, it's funny really funny. It was, it was so unusual. Like, it wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. No! Words. Did you guys Travoltify your names? Yes, no. I did. Paige Morphe. I was Connor with two N's. Like, why did he add the second N? <laughs> <laughs> and how did we even know that? From yeah, exactly. So. We are iFanboy, and we like comics and everything. <laughs> it's, it's, he put so much thought into what he said before the name. And, and a really just funny completely photo. blew it. There's a funny photo of him studying the script right as he goes out, before he's going out. Like, he had the word in his head. I've never heard of this woman or film. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm so famous. Zenu? Is it Zenu? <laughs> we talk about comics every week. We read a bunch of them. Uh, one of us has the job of picking the one that is best. That is the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that for, I want to say, the first 10 minutes or so. Is usually how it works out. Then we talk about some of the other books. Then we talk about some more books. Then we talk about some other stuff. I think you get the gist of it. Before we get started, we're going to talk about what happens in the books. Um, so this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't read them, come back later after you have or forge boldly forward your call, bro. Connor, you had the pick of the week. Yeah, it was a good week. A lot of number ones came out this week and also a lot of really fun books to read. But the pick of the week ended up being the first book that I read that made me genuinely feel many emotions. And I can't, I can't even imagine what it was like for a dog lover to read this book. But oh, after that, Archie number four. From Roberto Guayar Sacasa and Francisco Francovia is our pick of the week. It's the second time out of four issues it's been the pick of the week. And there's no irony in this pick whatsoever. I know lots of people are talking about this book online. I, I feel like some of it's probably ironic. Just It's sort of funny to talk about Ar- loving Archie. But I think this is a genuinely good book. It is. And this was a genuinely moving issue on many levels. Vegas. It was it was rough. So so if you haven't been following the story, a, a zombie outbreak is broken out in uh, Riverdale, and take you know starting off with Jughead's dog who was killed. He tried to get it resurrected via Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and that spell caused his dog to become a zombie dog, and then you know it spread from there. So ugh, in this issue, Archie runs home. He's, all the kids have been hiding out in Veronica Lodge's house, uh, the compound, and. Uh, Archie runs home to check on his parents, where he encounters his parents, his dog. We see a lot of flashbacks to himself as a kid, getting the dog in the pound. And, uh, oof, Paul, I mean, you're the dog lover here. There's a, there's a shot of Vegas's eyes. He's, try, he's basically just trying to save Archie from Jughead's dog, Hot Dog. Right. And he's speaking in sort of we three kind of speech. And head, like, yeah. He calls him like Archie Master, you know, run, run, run. You know, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me and everything. But you've got to get out of here. And and of course, by the end of it, you know, he's a zombie dog, too. And it uh, it it pretty much shattered my heart. Um, well, it's a very brutal fight between the two dogs. I mean, we're they're talking- at each other. Starts and, I'm, and I'm like, if he bites the zombie dog, that doesn't make him a zombie like he like he won't get. Well, it depends maybe. on the rules of the zombie universe. Yeah, but, the are but the then there's clearly a shot where a uh, hot dog bites him and, right. you know, and, and basically Archie runs away and runs into zombie dad. I felt like the dog team was very emotional. I'm not even a dog 
dog lover, but I, it was very emotional. But You're then allergic. Me, you have an excuse. Yeah, but for me, the scene that really got me was so Archie's dad has been turned to a zombie. And he's got to protect his mom from his dad, and there's a lot of sort of, and I'm not implying this is true for the Archie family, but there's a lot of parallels to sort of abuse. You know, the son protecting the mother from the abusive father parallels here, in which Archie basically beats his dad into the true death with a baseball bat and uh, interspersed with <laughs> memories of him as a kid with yeah. his dad. And it was awful and uh, in a good way, in, in an emotional, in a real emotional way. Like, I didn't enjoy reading that scene. It was very uncomfortable. There's flashes, you know, him and his dad, you know, with like some balloons walking in the park. And or Little League and Little tying, League. His, tying his bow tie for the prom and teaching him to shave while, while interspersed with him beating him with a bat. In a great one, two, three, four, five, t- fifteen panel page, showing all this stuff and uh, just, just, this was an emotional gut punch. Also, I'm really kind of over the Cheryl Blossom incest storyline. Like, I feel like I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> it's very not subtle wanna, at all. <laughs> don't want to see that anymore. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, like, there's subtext and then there's context. What's above context? <laughs> it's hitting you over the head. Yeah, and uh, I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's not good. I mean, it's good, but it just makes me very uncomfortable, and uh, I don't need uh, this to happen anymore. <laughs> Apparently, she doesn't either. That's the point of this storyline. She doesn't want to be involved with her brother anymore. She wants to go join the other kids. Her brother thinks it would be, you know, uh, uh, he, he kind of likes the idea of them being the, the only two people left in the world who aren't zombies, and he likes that they match. They both have red hair and everything, and it's just, he thinks it's poetry. Ugh. And so she wants out, and she wants to go where all the kids are hiding, her friends. And the end of the issue is all of the zombies we've met so far, Jughead, Vegas, Hot Dog, Pop from Pop Tates, have amassed into a zombie horde, and they're heading towards the lodge compound, and it says, next is Siege. This is a really emotionally charged book, I think, Paul. I don't, you know, it's, it it's, is, it's, and, and what's kind of impressive about it is it's building on relationships that, we're familiar with we like we know hot dog arch, in Vegas. Types, we know yeah. yeah, we know we know those yeah, archie types. Um we archie arch types. Yeah, so we, we we know those relationships, but they've never been as uh, looked at as deeply as they are here. There's this extra layer of of depth to it. And so because the stories have always been so sort of like disposable and you know kind of you know superficial, um let's go to the malt shop or whatever. And so here they do a really good job of establishing, like, you, you really care about this boy and his dog. Right. You know, even if, even if you're like, oh, yeah, Archie does have a dog. Right. I forgot about that. Like here, it's, it's, all, it's all there on the page by doing those flashbacks and seeing him getting the dog for the first time. And they have that conversation that um, his parents have the conversation about when, you know, when his mom was a girl, she had a dog and the dog got hit by a car and it was the worst feeling ever. And. I and she starts crying thinking about the dog, but then also Archie one day is going to have to deal with, you know, losing this friend, and it's something that every pet owner has to deal with, unless you're right. in like a parrot because they live for like ninety years, but unless they fly into soup like that, that parrot will bury you. Yeah, <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with the Francisco Francavilla art, it does because you don't have that veneer of the Archie style to hide behind, right? And everything here, you know, is drawn to look like real people. And that's uh, we talked about it before. Like for me, the Archie, Veronica, Betty love triangle becomes slightly more ridiculous when it's viewed through that more realistic lens. Mm-hmm. 
the archetypes sort of make sense to me just when you know with, with the cross hatched hair and everything but when you you've got these people drawn as normal people then it all becomes more real yeah you uh, start thinking about them in terms of what would what would a real person do if they were like if you were if you were betty you know how, why would you have deal some self respect have woman. some self respect and exactly yeah, but this is a fantastic book and this is a book where when it comes out i'm really excited for it Mm-hmm. And I know we were excited for it when they announced it, and I would say part of, part of that was just the idea of what what the hell is it going to be. But now that it's out and it's a real thing, this is a genuinely really good book. And it looks like they're going to be doing more. Like it's not just going to be zombies. There's going to be other horror elements to it um, in the coming. Well, we already have the witches who cause that's this whole th- right. That's true, but I mean, they're like even more monster threats. Right. Like I think they're going in sort of a I don't know a Lovecraft direction, which is good I, because otherwise I think you run out of story quickly. Yeah, which you know, like when zo- when when Jughead's a zombie, you know, in, in yeah. the first issue, like you you know you just took out. Well, the first two issues we lost at least three or four recognizable names, and you know, so you're you know you're entering Walking Dead territory. You couldn't do that with the Archie. It's, it's just if you add new characters to the story, they're not going to resonate because they're not the characters we know. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm excited about Sakasa being, you know, this this first ever creative director for Archie Comics. That news came out this week, and that's pretty exciting because they've been doing some really good stuff. Like with his involvement as writer, he did the the Archie meets Glee thing, which right. sounds like a throwaway thing, but it was we enjoyed that. Really fun. I, I'm excited to see what they do next. Afterlife with Archie number four. You can still jump on that train. I imagine there'll be a collection very soon after the sixth issue archie's usually really good about that mm. getting them out quickly so if it sounds like your cup of tea and really if you're a walking dead fan or a horror fan or even the fan of good stories this is this is a book you should check out no matter what you feel about the archie brand or the characters i wonder if they're gonna put them out in a little digest <laughs> to sell them at the supermarket yeah i hope they keep the sort of rough paper it's really nice it's yeah so now it was a close call between that and Starlight Number One, the newest image book. It seems like every week there's a new image book, and every week it's it's the one I really enjoy. This was from Mark Miller and Goran Parloff. You may recall I was talking Goran Parloff up last year for Fury Max, the uh, best book of 2013 or 12, whatever year that came 2013 out. was last year. Yes. Did I, you guys read this book? I did. Yes. I really. Uh, I'm very intrigued by the story of of like the multiple Millers. Right. There was a version of Mark Miller very early on, around the time that he was, you know, like, uh, this is over, over 10 years ago, was when he was doing uh, Authority. Um, and, and he was the guy who I really liked. I liked his work. I liked the stuff that he was doing. And then he got into a very, I don't think pop is the right word, but he got into a, a, a sensibility that I didn't really like on a lot of work. And a lot of the creator-owned stuff that he was coming out with, um, many of it in the back of this, just, just didn't work for me. And then the last couple things that he'd done seem to be much more thoughtful or at least appear that way and less bombastic. Um, We're talking about Jupiter's legacy and Starlight. It's interesting because he's still working in sort of a a superhero genre after all that. Uh, And I've really enjoyed those books. Uh, And I I like this book a lot. Um, Starlight, what's great about it was not knowing anything about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really enjoying that aspect of not not running the website anymore is not knowing what's coming and didn't know anything beyond the cover and the creative team. I wouldn't have probably given this a look, honestly, if it had been for Gordon Parloff, if I'm being completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. But it's basically his take on John Carter in that hotshot pilot gets sucked into this alien dimension, ends yeah. up saving the universe, 
finding love with a scantily clad princess. It's also very Farscape as well. He didn't find love with her. He turned her down. No, true, but she found she was all into him and everything. Look at um, She's a very up, Deja Thoris kind of yes, character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ends up back on Earth and has a life with his wife. And now we see him in the present. He's old. His wife has died. And uh, I, I didn't expect that part of it at all. And th- th- I thought that was great. I thought the portrayal of an old man recently widowed with this life that people think is his crazy made-up story. I like that it's out. I think that yeah. makes it super interesting that people know about it. Uh-huh. I liked the, I really like the contrast of the, of the fact that he was this in this magical world and this, this like hero and his, his kids are just regular dipshits. Yeah. They won't come visit him on the anniversary of his wife's dying. And yeah, he may, oh, when the, Oh, the reveal of the table Dinner? he'd set. Yeah. It, 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 I don't often, it crushed me. Yeah. The, I oh, the, I think I have there. a, is this a lump thing? I was like, Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, but it's just the, the shot, you know, he's talking to his sons and the other one can come and then we pull back to see he's, he's done this fancy table. He's not the kind of guy who does that kind of thing. And yeah. you, you just know he spent a lot of time folding those napkins. Oh, yeah. When, he, when he's in the supermarket and he yeah. says, I printed out this, man, this, this recipe and I wanted to do something fancy like lasagna or chili. <laughs> yeah. But all of it, even the, the lump and the dinner. I mean, this was a very nuanced Strong story. character work. Yeah. Really, I mean, this like – and with no – no cheap thrills, I guess. No. Which is the thing that, you know, if you read Wanted, you know, there's a lot of that. And you could say there's a reason for it. And I totally understand those and I can even respect it in a certain way. But I thought this was just much, much more subtle than I ever come to expect from Mark Miller. Uh, and in that way, Goran Parlov was Perfect. perfectly matched yeah. uh, with it. It was, a, it was a big surprise. It was very good. Unless you think this is all a story of a saddled man, the, the, the issue of... A ship, an alien ship, arrives on his doorstep. So clearly, we'll be going back to adventure. But I could say in this, I just want to see whose life sucks. <laughs> I, I could too, but it, I mean, you know, that's that's. I also really enjoy the stories of what happens next. What happens after the adventure? You sure. know, what is? How do you how do you go back to your boring old everyday life after you saved the universe? You know, what is what does Samwise Gamgee do with his rest of his life? Does he just sit and drink in the pub because girl? You know, but like it's like there's. You're always going to have that sense of you, you did something important once and now you're just clocking in. Yeah, I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> so I always find those stories interesting. I, I just loved this, every, every aspect of it. I love the, the various cutaways to the fantasy worlds and they're these, yep. these kind of big widescreen sort of landscapes. Well, that's what I mean. There's a shot yeah. of him like in the supermarket getting shampoo cut to him and a, jumping out of a canoe with a, you know, it's good, that's going over a waterfall, cut to him driving a car, cut to him driving a dragon. I mean, you know, what is that like? Are you ever satisfied, really, with your life again after you've driven a dragon? Dragons are economical, by the way. There's not a lot, you know, no gas involved. Mm. We have to feed the dragon. True, but then you don't have to worry about traffic. So I, I'm kind of getting to the point now where I want some of these image books to suck. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Because <laughs> there's a saying. lot of them, and I don't have time to read all these things. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's a Southern Bastards preview in the back of one of these issues and i was just like oh come on i didn't read it i was like i'm gonna read it anyway i, I didn't read it either I'm, but yeah, I'm just like, read it. it reminded me that it was no i mean the preview i didn't read the preview right. um but it just reminded me there's gonna be another another book i'm really looking forward to and there's just a lot of them yeah we're in that we're in i that actually made one. some cuts this week there were things that i was like i got i, I have to stop i can't i don't well know. uh what did we think of the other number one this week moon knight number one moon can i get one moon can i get one from marvel warren ellis and declan shalvey jordy Bellero. i think the story for me is going to be the art. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. the choices made by Shalvi and and Belair to put her in the book right away. No, I mean, <laughs> um, she's uh, the character. She's she's featured in the book very shortly, not as herself. That's irrelevant. It was a really interesting design and color choice where basically it like just snow from yeah there's just no there's no color on moon Knight. yeah they i mean there's this choice to, and i noticed this i saw the cover early on and and i said are you gonna do this in the interiors too because that's really interesting because like i could see it being like a stylistic choice for the cover to do to do something bold like that yeah but to do it in the interiors is really interesting and and it, and if you don't notice it or if if you can't quite see what they're doing when he takes his mask off the face is colored it's gray but it's just when he when he has that mask on it's it's all fully white or black there's no well, i think you definitely notice that it, it pops he, and he pops off the page mm-hmm. yeah which it's not like he's you know like josh and so he's not colored white he's just not colored at all but it's just it's it's yeah. very interesting it's it, it yeah. does this optical illusion where he sort of glows and he just he really sort of stands out in a scene and yeah. you know, this this fun scene where he's sort of, I don't know, he's like the Adrian Monk of this, you know, police, you know, like yeah. he, he comes in and he, uh, you know, he he's the better detective, but he's not part of the unit or anything like that. Uh, for me, Warren Ellis is, I don't want to say he's hit or miss because he's better than that, but I don't always like everything he does. Yeah. Um, and I like the approach to this and that it was low key. But I, like, like the fact is, like, I don't like Moon Knight. <laughs> very much i've realized that i've read a bunch of uh i've read a bunch of reboots and things like i don't like the multiple personality thing whatever that last version was who did the that he, bendis. Bendis, yeah. and then bendis was it and opinion believe oh Malie, yeah like and i they, just they referenced that here too that he his personal realities his alters were like wolverine and spider-man and captain, captain America. America. yeah and i caught that but i i I just sort of gave up on it because it, it doesn't do it doesn't I don't know for whatever reason I, I don't like it I remember well, he's moving on as well he's playing up to the mystical aspect of the character which is the other yeah. thing like you either do that or you do the, the the identities thing so it gives them sort of this this way that sort of like with the Joker actually the approach has been taken yeah. to him uh-huh. is that every time they start something new they just start something new so it was interesting to see how that was done I don't know how much it sucked me in in that way. I really I think like I'm gonna give it one more issue to, yeah. to see if it grabs. Um, it didn't really grab me story wise at all. No, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, but, but visually, there's like some great sequences, like when he goes out of the car and into the manhole, and then down into the sewers. Yeah, sure. Some just some wonderful storytelling yeah. there, and that 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 pulled me in. But I I, I agree with you. I, I need to see what's going on in issue two to figure out this. Like the character himself didn't necessarily. Yeah, grab me, but I don't know what he is. I like, I like the word. I like the shield monster thing. The the guy who, I I like the idea that shield. It was yeah. Doesn't I mean, that's always what, take care of its own, and that's what Warren Ellis does. Though he comes up yeah. with those kind of ideas, he goes, well, "What if you you just go around this corner just a little bit? What happens with shield?" I, and he's always he's super smart about that stuff, obviously. And so that's really interesting. I thought just from a from a from the concept of first issue of a superhero book. The fight in this is the most low key, key thing on earth. He he throws the little moon moonerang. Yeah, moonerang at one sure. point, but it's it's off screen when that happens. He trips the guy and then he blocks a a bell a bullet with his moonerang. That's the entire. That's <laughs> all the action in this book. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything else is super calm, you know, and you know, super subdued. Um, that's a tough sell. Everything it you know, it's not it, so much. Now, it feels but, like it's more of an. A cult or horror crime book than it is a superhero book. Yeah, I mean he's 
he's wearing a suit. He's not wearing. Yeah, like, he's I wearing mean, a mask, but he's not wearing, you know, a, a cape and tights. I'm basically, um, I'm saying I like a, a lot of the aspects of it. I like the way it looks. Yeah. I like the way it feels. I like the way it reads. But I can't tell you it's grabbed me. And the problem, and the, the problem is, in an era where there's so many good books, oh. you really have to grab me quickly because I got a lot of reading. I do really enjoy seeing this sort of this next step, this next evolution uh, of an artist who I think we've been following for quite a while now and like a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's one of the. It's not the best thing he's ever done. It's one. It's up there, definitely. It's it's really been one of those cool things, you know, about doing this this job that we've been doing is that there are a bunch of guys who we've sort of known and to keep watching them. I think we talked about this a little with, with remender and like, and to just keep watching them outdoing themselves over and over again. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Just see that over and over again. It's, it's, it's super heartening. So th- this week we had a number one book from dark horse comics written by Greg Rucka called veil. Yeah. Yeah. And the artist whose name I'm not even going to attempt. Adele Dazim. <laughs> um, Tony Fazula. Fazul. <laughs> Please keep it's a beautiful coming. book. <laughs> Not don't get mad at it's I'm I'm stupid. You're, no, it's it direct, really direct your, looks like it looks like Fazula. I'm not making fun of his name. I'm making fun of my ability to pronounce it. So that's looks like Fazula. Pasta Fazul. All right. This is like this is sort of night and day from Lazarus. It's a, it's a totally different feeling and vibe to it. And what's exciting about it, so there's this this essay in the back from Rucka saying that this is a character that's sort of been in his, or a concept at least, that's been in his mind for years and years. He finally decided to 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 jump with it. And it seems like it's it's a work in progress where it's he, he's not entirely sure where it's going, whereas Lazarus feels very much like every uh, yeah. panel is, you know... That essay actually made me feel really bad because I did not like this at all. You didn't like it? No. And then knowing, knowing he's had this character in his head for 20 years, I felt really bad, but I didn't connect to this in any way. My, uh, the essay was my favorite part of reading it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what that says. I think in the same way, I think it was interesting, but I don't know that it was formed. Enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing that we get with a lot of first issues of comics uh, is that they're – Sometimes they're cold opens and they don't give us enough to grab onto. So sometimes you need two or three. And I think that we could all safely say, you know, it's Greg Rucka. So that you have a little part of your things. Well, I should give him the benefit of the doubt on this. I don't think I felt as strongly as Connor that I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but I'm not going to tell you. It was, I mean, it felt, I felt like a little bit of that familiar. Greg I need Rucka to know thing. what's going on. I need to, I, I want to see issue two and, and where this character is going. So this girl who wakes up in, in the sewers among these rats and she speaks in sort of rhymes and it's like not it's sort of like um what's her face on firefly um it's river a, river it's a little bit like that where she's kind of crazy but there's but but then suddenly she hits upon a rhyme and it's it's very much an astute observation about the moment and she goes up into the surface world naked and uh, you know, this this is an it's an urban environment, and people are sort of descending upon her, and you know, want to take her into the strip club and stuff. And one guy decides, you know, I need to put my coat on her and take her back to my place and figure out what's going on, and then maybe I can get her some medical help. And he seems to have honest, good intentions. Um, then some bad guys show up at the door, and she causes them basically to shoot themselves. 
she maybe has some kind of mind control powers. We don't know exactly how it works yet because we're not. She's not entirely lucid. Um, right. And then it's a it, it start and then it turns into <clears throat> sort of a chase because we've got these dead bodies on the ground outside the guy's apartment. Now we got to move. I don't know exactly what's what's going on here. I, I want to give it at least another chapter to figure out if it's something that I want to get. I, I, I like the art a lot, though. It's got this kind of watercolor effect to it. Really interesting colors. Yeah. I, I think Rucka, well, I don't think he certainly has earned at least one more issue out of me, but I didn't connect to this in any way. But maybe issue two, I will. Okay. Another number one, Magneto. Magneto number one. Uh, this is Colin Bunn and Wada is the artist. And I like this quite a bit. If you liked the most recent, you know, X-Men movie with Nazi hunter Magneto. And we saw a little bit of that in, uh, is it Uncanny X-Force? The, the Remender stuff. There was that, that one sort of one-off issue where Magneto. Sure. I don't Mag- remember. Magneto, he, he tasks Wolverine with killing a Nazi, I believe. Um, it's yes, 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 yes. It's been a while, but I do remember that. So he's he's a, he's this hunter, basically. And what I liked about it is it doesn't fe- it doesn't necessarily feel like a superhero book, but it does. But it has the advantage of him ripping. Is know, it a flashback or is it? It's now. It's now. He's he's this is the bald Magneto, and he's got cool white eyebrows, and he's not usually wearing the mask. Although it's it's kind of cool. He he breaks into into a place and. He draws all the metal toward him, and it creates sort of the the iconic helmet, sort of the way it looks on the cover, with the you know with the barbed wire and everything. And uh, I thought this I thought this was a beautiful book. It's it feels like a character study about, and I, I I like the I like the concept of doing an ongoing Magneto series where he's your protagonist. He's not exactly an antihero. He's sort of an anti-villain in a way because he's. He's merciless, but he has good intentions. It's instead of doing Nazi hunting, he's hunting down people who commit crimes against mutants. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got sort of a, a Rust Cole sort of board with you know all kinds of maps and stuff. And he uses his, his uh, magnetic powers to um, control the thumbtacks and everything. And I thought, it was a, I thought it was a great script. I thought the art was gorgeous. This is Jordi Belair on colors again. And again, it looks Do totally we have to different. say that anymore? <laughs> Can we just, just know assume? Just know colors. Yeah. But the one thing I would say, though, is that, you know, it, the, the colors are great, but in a completely different way. They're really, you know, they're really subdued here. And it's it's a completely different effect than, than Moon Knight, where it's more bold and things pop. This is, there's a lot of blues. It's very moody. I'm, I'm digging this. I like it a lot. Well, all right. Superman Bat... I'm sorry. Batman Superman Annual number one came out. And this is one of those degrading art issues where you... Yeah, uh, this... Well, uh, there's a couple... Of, I like this quite a bit because it felt very much like an old classic superhero team-up book that they used yeah. to do in like an annual where, you know, yeah. you take a bunch of characters who don't normally hang out and put them together for a one-shot adventure. And I like that bit a lot. Greg Pak wrote it, and he's doing a really good job on the um, main series. But you're right. I mean, the first part was drawn by Jay Lee, and it was awesome. The second part was drawn by Kenneth Rockefeller, and I still like it. I like his art a lot. I like it. It's not as awesome as the Jay Lee stuff. And then the third part was Philip Tan, which was, you know, long-time listeners will know how that went. But uh, I still liked it overall. I mean, the art, I, the I did. No, I, I liked it. And I actually totally understand it because there's a lot of issues, and you know we've all come to accept the fact that Jay Lee's only going to do so many pages. In I was fact, surprised he did the annual. Yeah, yeah, considering exactly. he's got the main book to draw. 
and well, some of it. Um, <laughs> but I liked that it was. I like the gathering of the characters. I think mm-hmm. it was like I I, li- I like the transference of two from each of your clan will come, and they were like, okay, and they worked that out, and they they brought along uh, Supergirl, and they brought along Jason Todd, which I think is fantastic. Um, <laughs> it was a really fun sort of grouping of stuff, and 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 then Batgirl shows up, and and you know her and uh, they go and they hack and uh, with steel. Yeah, that was really fun, and and like Batman teaches him how to be better. Mongol uh, but, son, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, Mongol son, the uh, but, which is which is his ultimate downfall. <laughs> Just like a real, there's a real edge to, and I've yeah. noticed this in action comics too, uh, which we're not talking about. But like, there's a real edge to Greg Pak's stuff, mm-hmm. where it's like you really don't understand what's going on, and you need to stop screwing with things, even though you have a ton of power. I feel like that's the thing he keeps doing with Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and like like it's it's about questioning the idea of. If you have all of the power in the world and you're the most powerful thing ever, how far does that get you? And and if you're not thinking, not very. I think it's a really smart approach. I don't want to keep reading it forever. I don't want that to be the only theme of everything, but it's an interesting theme. Um, yeah. And I thought this was a, a nice – it was a, it was a good annual. It was what you think of an annual. It's a, it's a bigger than normal story and it's fun and it's it's got it's got all that superhero stuff. The octopus in there. That too. Yep. Just cutting him up. Yeah, this is basically just Mongol son shows up with Murder World, demands justice for his dead father, you know, insists that Batman and Superman gather their clan to fight his clan, and that's what happens. They fight, and then Batman Batman pulls the great trick, like he's like, actually, I, I beat your father, so I'm you're my clan. And they're like, <laughs> ah, he's got us. Parliamentary rules must be oh. followed. <laughs> I, I love, but that's brilliant. That's great writing. Yeah. That's really yeah. fun stuff. And then so they team up, and it was. It, I thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun. I liked Bat, I liked Batgirl and Steel a lot together. Yep. Um, there was there was a lot of talk about crypto being in this issue in advance of it coming out, and then he wasn't. He he was in it a bit. He's a direwolf now. <laughs> um, I miss him being a Labrador a little bit, but I'm, I'm okay. He's at least nice. He wasn't. He didn't used to be a Labrador. That was a recent thing. He was a. I don't know, dog. But he was a little skinny dog before. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know, like the classic. But I, uh, I don't know. Crypto for me, I like. I think Manipal got it with the, uh, the Superboy run. I believe he's a dire Bradoodle. Typo <laughs> allergen. And those aren't those aren't cheap. I mean, <laughs> no, they're not. Got the breeding fees in those. Yeah, awful. If, say that you wanted to buy a book on dire Bradoodles, <laughs> you can go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon to make your Amazon purchases. And when you do so through that link, we get a little piece of your purchases, which helps us do the things that we do. And we very much appreciate it. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It costs you nothing. And you're going to probably order some of that stuff anyway. You need, uh, you need your lubes. Not those kind. I'm saying uh, household lubes. Yes. Things. Right. For like, like squeaky squeaky wheel, wheel gets them. like a yeah. like a large like a large thing of WD forty, which is right. actually a, a solvent, not a lubricant. <laughs> so just so you know, that's not going to help. I was going to let it go, but okay. Just I I'm glad that you know. Too. Buy uh, Game of Thrones season three on the Blu-ray. Is that is that is that out in all of yes, its, it? Yes, uh, it is. It came out a couple weeks ago. I need to get that. I, I'm normally on top of those. That's where we are. Uh, you can also contribute more directly at ifanbo.com slash registration where you can become uh, – well, we used to call it a member. I don't know if we really say that. I don't know if that's the, that's the accepted nomenclature. But either way, it's a way for you to uh, directly contribute the, the very small cost 
uh, of either three bucks a month or thirty bucks a year, or honestly, whatever you, whatever you write in the box, man. Three three dollars a month. That's like fourteen dollars a year. That's not. That's like a. That's like that will be like half a comic book eventually. Yes. If you want to uh, do that, and there there are many people who who, who do that, um, and we really appreciate that. That's uh, very very generous and and directly contributing to the show. And at the beginning, when we say I fanboy listeners like you, uh, we really mean we're talking to you, and 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 uh, we thank you for that. But that uh, that helps keep things going, and and we don't even have to beg all that much because people are pretty good about that. So keep thank that you. up. So next up, another one from Connor's favorite writer, Jupiter's Legacy number four, Mark Miller, Frank Whiteley, and I have to question the. Well, not the wisdom, but it opens with a flashback, which really threw me off because it's been so long since this book came out. Yeah, I was trying to remember where we were, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the, the mother got killed by the, the uncle or the nephew. Somebody killed the mother." We open up with a flashback to the very beginning of the story when the family gets their powers in the '30s, and I was very confused. And then, yeah, yeah. When did it, issue one come out of this? Because 2010. No, it didn't. No, no, I don't. Because know. like, year. because like the new series of Punisher is on issue three. And that just That's started Marvel, last month. Marvel, you cannot That's a compare. It's a weekly. You can't compare Marvel to anything. Yeah. yeah. Marvel will ship. You turn your back on Marvel, they'll ship a book. You can't uh, trust them. This is Frank Whiteley, so you're going to get four issues a year probably. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, if it's been less than a year we've gotten four issues of Frank Whiteley, I'm not complaining. Right. Yeah, yeah, take your The time. thing is, then after the flashback, it flashes forward from where we last left the story. So that was it just – what I'm saying is it took a while for me to wrap my head around where we were in the story and what was going on and who the characters were. But once I did, <laughs> I was very – Happy and enjoyed the book. I think actually, I think this is a pretty strong Frank Whiteley issue. It is uh, compared yeah. to the last one, which I think got a little sketchy towards the end. But uh, I love the guy who shows up at the end. The hunter is going to find the missing family with his little pencil mustache and cane. Um, I just think this is a great vibe to this book. I like that. Like we don't know anything about that character, and that's like a classic comic book move: is to put that character on the back page, and, and normally everyone's like, "Oh no, Baron von Strucker." Yeah, right. but instead we're just like. This dude, and you you can get away with it. Oh, he's wearing all black. Of, he's got the pencil mustache. You know he means business. He's, he's he also looks like a, a bad guy in the forties. He's also got a squad with him of yeah. really of scary looking dudes too. Doctor Mindbubble. Yeah, but uh, I liked with it. I thought I thought the family was fun. I thought at first I was like, wow, he's writing some horrible kid dialogue, and then it was revealed the kid's a genius. So that made sense. So I liked it. Also, he and his team are called the professionals in bold, and if your name's in bold, it means mm. you're important. Mm. Maybe you should it's, know who that is. Yeah, so uh, what I also liked is that, so basically the idea previously was, you know, the main Superman-esque character was murdered by his family because his brother was jealous and his son, that's his son, right? Yeah. Was also jealous of his of his authority over them, and so they, they killed him and took over the U.S. government, and, you know, the brother's a genius, so he had all these plans to fix everything, and so now we flash forward and, realize, and found that not only has he not fixed anything, it's actually way worse now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I always like dark. Apparently, it's always, it's always dark. It's always dark in the U.S. That's the thing that you'll hear a lot of debates about policy and whatnot, but no one ever says Obamacare goes through. It's going to be dark all the time. All the time. I mean, that would, that's right up there with death squads. I don't. I think. Although so, the professionals may be part of a death squad, maybe that's the thing that happened. I don't know. I don't want to get political. Adventures of Superman forty-five. Paul was the conclusion of the Ron Mars and Doc Shaner three-part storyline which is basically superman and iron giant and but iron giant yeah, teaming up though that's, that's yeah. sort of the cool thing is people talk about you know the iron giant being the best superman story and this is a chance for that superman to meet our superman someone I get love my robot brother Someone get doc shader on a superman book pronto yes seriously but it's got to be the old superman 
DC yeah. He he drew the new Superman suit on on his blog this week. Mm-hmm. I was like, and and it's okay for the new Superman suit. Like it, it it's still a good yeah. Superman, but I really prefer him drawing the classic Superman. Don't you ever do that again? <laughs> I see also one the- of a collar on him, Doc, and I'm coming for you. But also the whole supporting cast, you know, the classic Lois, classic Jimmy. I, I thought this was just a great story. The, you know, every once in a while they they really hit on these with these uh, digitals. I mean, they they they've been good for the most part all the way through. I went through and read all the Batman ones. Yeah, but I I still haven't started had a chance to do the Superman ones. But every once in a while you hit a really good one. This was one of those really good. Yeah, and, and I just want to say Ron Mars also has a very good take on on Superman's yes, voice yeah. as well. Um, oh, those two could totally take over Superman book, and I'd be fine. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Are, are you reading the Saviors? Yes, I talked. We talked about issue one or two. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. We, we did. I caught up. I I was behind a little bit. Uh, this is James Robinson writing and J Bone drawing. J Bone is a, a collaborator of and Friend of. very reminiscent of Darwin Cook. Um, yes. And I think it shows in this. I think I like this, but it feels very. And this is not. This is not a criticism. It feels very improvisational. Interesting. It's like this guy discovers there's a. It's just as loose in that way. He's got this an alien conspiracy, and a bunch of people are actually lizard, lizardy aliens. Um, and he meets up with a, a sort of an anti-conspiracy group, and and then in this issue, they basically get wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but yeah. the guy's like a, the guy's like a stoner, and so he's like, I don't really, I don't really want to be here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I just, I just want to go I'm back. Not the in. hero type at all. Yeah. Can, you cannot. You mind if I smoke? I am still reading it. I I like it. Yes, I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, yes. I, don't, I don't know, I don't know how long it goes. It could be a gigantic story, but it moves really well, and it's it's fun to look at. It's sort of uh, monochromatic. It's it's not yes. black, it's black and white and orange, basically, or rust. I like it. I like yeah. the art a lot. Wait, I like the, uh, yeah, and there's what? a ton. It's black and white and orange. Yep. Yes, it's like it's like a black and white book that's been highlighted with orange. All yeah. right. You like the like a Darwin Cook Parker books kind of. Yeah. Like that. And there's always a highlight color. That's a style now. Okay. Yeah. I liked meeting this team. The team was interesting, and then they all died, or apparently they all died. But uh, it's fun. I like it. Uncanny X-Men 18 featured fill-in art by Marco Rudy, who you remember call did fill-ins on Swamp Thing uh, back when uh, Yannick Paquette was drawing it. And he did really crazy layouts and page designs back then where he used the foliage as the p- panel breaks. And in this issue, he uses... Cyclops' out-of-control powers as the panel. It was a cool idea. Yes. I don't know if it worked out. I I mean, not every page. There were certain pages that worked better than others. But as a concept, I thought that 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 was really interesting. There's a couple of really great pages here. I don't know if I loved it, though, in terms of art. It's a lot of Cyclops in this. I'm not big big on that. I'm down with with sort of young Cyclops because he's not a – it's not a douchebag yet. I did. I mean, I like it more now that I'm looking through it. I remember reading it going, oh, I don't like this the way it looks. But I'm liking it more as I'm flipping through it now. Maybe I'm just seeing more of the way he's designed the pages instead of reading the, the, dia- you know, the, the dialogue. Yeah. Sort of looking at the layouts. But You know, it's weird reading this in guided view. <laughs> I don't even know how that would it work. It's like being in a car accident. It's <laughs> It's like reading. It's like you're reading a comic book and you're you're going through an intersection and you're hit by a train. Um, that's sort of that's sort of what it's like. So just read it, you know, full there's, page. There's one of the one page looks very much like Sinkevich's lecture book with the flashbacks, the Kitty flashbacks. Where oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the art's really good. I just didn't know if it fit this particular story. 
I don't know. I like. Well, you're all in. You're all in. I mean, you're all in Cyclops's head. So the dark place to be. So doing it all in. I guess I'm thinking more of the layouts, but. Yeah, I think also sometimes I didn't know which blonde character was talking. There are a lot of blonde. It helped when one of the cuckoos dyed her hair, but uh, right. You have the cuckoos, and you have Emma Frost, and you have magic. And I, at some points, I didn't know who was who. Yeah, I like but, the scene uh, where where Cyclops, older Cyclops, is talking to young Jean Grey, and she's like, "I don't think the thoughts you're having right now are very appropriate." <laughs> um, and then you know shows him the the wedding invitation, which she just carries around with her, I guess. Um, we 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 saw that she discovered it many many issues ago, and I don't even it could have been an all new X Men. I don't know if it was in this, but she has a utility belt for a reason. She has a Paul. utility belt and folded it up, and yeah, and and she's like, I, you know, I know that you know you remember it well, but I can't even imagine it. You know, it's that's just weird, and <laughs> it's a lot to deal with, and very confusing, it, and 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 then you're you get so the, old, like thirty. Yeah, <laughs> you get the moment where he's talking to young Scott. And he says, you know, you know, avoid redheads and blondes. And he's like, how about brunettes? So all women really just <laughs> Cyclops has a very warped. <laughs> it was good. I just, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. Now, uh, Velvet 4. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a weirdo pervert here. Right. I believe that this is, and I, I believe this is the sexiest book on the stands. Oh, Velvet. I, I, meaning that. This it's just so good. Yeah. It's really very good and you've got this I don't know like I feel like we've seen a lot of female spies lately but I really like there's some little twist on on this woman that I really like cuz she's super capable and she doesn't really doubt herself but she's not quite sure what she's doing and she's making it up. It's one of the closest which is also because she's over the hill a bit. Yeah. So she's not like the Black Widow dropping in on a scene and taking right. everybody out with ease. It's hard for her. She's got to work right. at it. I, and so I, it's she's clearly have the skills, but they're the skills of someone 10 years past her prime. Yep. It's just, just fun. It, it has one of those. Uh, my, I love the scenes in, in the casino with super rich people everywhere. <laughs> that I don't know that these ever actually happen. They're wearing masks for some reason. Of course, reason. it does. There's Gosh, not there's enough weird sex stuff for it to be weird. Mask in the background, though. It's, it's there. Movies. Like it's you, there, can, yeah. you can smell the room. The, like the, you can, that guy with the pencil mustache. Yeah. Oh, I, it, like like we, did we sleep together? Like uh, you like it's just a great fun fun book that it's it's a little like uh, like the, um, the Starlight book we were talking about earlier. Is it, it it's just. It's five years later or ten years later, right? You know, of when this stuff would have happened. All these people over the hill, all these yeah. guys she's interacting with. None of them are like, you know, the James Bonds of the world. They're all like James Bond after he retired ten years ago. But they're still doing it to some some extent because they don't uh, know what else to do. What else are you yeah. going to do if you're a spy? No, because they're but go to the fucking mask sex parties. That's what I would. I would do. still be going, of course. Yeah. Man, when she ripped that guy's cheek off, yeah, so nice. I was like, <laughs> ah, it's a, it's a really good book. Yes, it is. I mean, it's it's I I, every, I like every issue more than the last one, and it's not even like a I got done with it and I was like that was great. I'm just I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, yeah, I enjoyed that. I, get, I when these issues come in, I'm happy. And Epting uh, is really doing uh, career yeah. work here. Great on so the action so sequences, just the kicking people. Yep. Also, maybe punching. Also, maybe punching. Punching. Yeah. It's really all dialogue in an italic font should be read as a foreign language. 
Okay. Even though the captions are sort of in an italic font. <laughs> Velvet from Image Comics and Brew Baker. See that thing. It's really, she, really, really, really good. She thinks those, it's Greek. Those are some of the books of the week we want to talk about. Let's uh, take an audience question from Josh in Chicago, Illinois. He wrote this in between eating brats. Right? That's what they do in Chicago? I think that's more of a Wisconsin thing. But I'm sure they I've eat heard the brats at C2E2. That's because they're delicious. It's all yeah. that's whole that whole area is is brought conscious. That's true. God, cardiologists must be so I rich. Brought, I want to brought right now. Josh says Marvel and DC seem to have had different successes in other media over the years, with DC having greater success in animated TV shows aimed at a younger audience, and Marvel having more success with their movies, which are mostly designed for older audiences, at least teen plus. I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series and reading a lot of DC Comics. I was born in 1984, for reference. And then as I got older, reading more Marvel Comics. Over the last eight, ten years, seeing the Marvel movies have been pretty excellent, while DC movie ventures have been, I'll say, of mixed quality. Do you think there's a value to DC focusing on a younger audience? Do you think their characters in the universe lend themselves to a younger audience? I've always held the opinion that DC universe tends to have, or at least work better with a more rigid black and white morality, while Marvel lends itself better to a more nuanced interpretation of morality. Just for reference, I was also born in 1984, so I have the same experiences with the animation and everything. Happy 30th to both of you, and go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I'm still 29. You got a few months left. Fuck Don't rush him, Josh. Don't rush him. Don't rush me. Not cool. <laughs> no, I th- I'd just like to congratulate Josh on his use of the word media in the correct plural form. Exactly. I think just, yeah, I think just looking at just the empirical evidence, just looking at the stuff that's out there, I think he's right. It's a it's a very good read on the situation. Should DC should DC focus on younger? Audience? I mean, that's the real question: is do you think there's a value to DC focusing on the younger audience? Do you think I characters? think that for for whatever reason, those characters, and I I experienced this like the first ones that you are, I feel like a lot of kids. I can only really speak for Americans. Uh, get get hooked on is Superman and Batman, whether it's those... I think Spider-Man, too, honestly. You know. Sort of, but not, it was never as much for me. Spider-Man was always a little bit later and, like, sort of... Yeah, but that... I mean, I think... I don't know. That gray Marvelness, that that angsty teenager thing, isn't isn't traditionally what happened with uh, with, with, with DC. With DC, there was a... There was a, a master or a father figure and then an apprentice or a son. Mm-hmm. And he looked up to that and it wasn't weird they weren't angsty until jason todd came along right you know sure. uh, uh you know wally followed barry around he was like what are we gonna do you know like it was or jimmy olsen and superman and it, it wasn't like that whereas marvel like there wasn't there wasn't uh um there wasn't a, a master there wasn't a, a, a there wasn't a father figure so much you know peter Pig- peter parker had to make his way all on his own so you watched him try to figure it out and screw it up um Maybe well, that's, that's the difference. See, for me, when I was a kid, Spider-Man was just as big a part of our lives as Batman because we had Spider-Man as Amazing Friends and we had the Spider-Man 1967 cartoon which played in the mornings in New York anyway that we watched as we were getting ready for school. So then Spider-Man was watched, always... He was in New York. He was flying but around. Also, but also, I mean, Spider-Man as Amazing Friends was like the cartoon for kids our age at, yeah. growing up. But I'm even talking about before that. Like, I just remember, <laughs> I'm like, I remember tying a towel around my neck and being like, sure. Superman. And I feel like that was first. Now, granted... You know, I was born in '77. In the Superman movie, right? You know that all sort of dovetails. The biggest in thing there. in the world. Exactly. I, I, I do think there are a couple of more points here. One is that actually, right now, the DC animations focused at teens and above. They're rated PG-13, and the Marvel animation has gone down from being all ages to being focused on kids four to eight. That's a good point. 
There's a lot of kids Marvel cartoons. So they have actually gone the opposite direction. I mean, DC cartoons have been for teens and up since the Tim era. They're talking about since the 90s, whereas Marvel's is focused on the younger audiences. But I think for the movies, it comes down to quality. If the if Green Lantern had been a really good movie, and Man of Steel had been a really good movie, we'd be, we'd be talking about you know that that being more in the consciousness of the people as opposed to the Marvel movies. But they just haven't been good movies, so they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I, the fact is I think they all work whatever way they work really well. I mean, they could kind of do whatever they want to as long as it's good. I, I, you, I mean, you could take that sort of – I think traditionally, I think that his, his analysis is pretty spot on. Right. But, I, I think I you mean, make a really good point about the whole archetypal father-son you know, that's embedded in the DC universe. Yeah, that, I think that, it comes out of the f- – I'm going to guess it comes out of the 40s and 50s. Sort of, but also sort of it was mentality in the comics because Marvel doesn't come along until the '60s at that point. It was which, played up in the it was played up in the '50s by the sort of the Mort Weisinger sort of school of right. things. Um, I think that's where it really got locked in, and that went through the you know like it sort of survived through the '60s. Right. So there's um, that DNA, and there's that DNA within those worlds in which DC. There's a lot of that mentoring, and there's that legacy aspect. There's the psychic. Very, psychic becomes the father. Yeah, and it's a very Americana thing. And like if you look through the '60s, they placed an emphasis on 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 science because it was you know the space age and that was the thing they were trying to do and you wanted to look up to the people who were taking care of you and that's a very 50s 60s americana sort of way whereas marvel really started to find its footing in the in the in the edges of counterculture, counterculture yeah. in in that in started in 62 i think uh, that's the fantastic four right but as they get to the later part of the, the decade you really see how they distinguish themselves from that from that sort of kind of DC comic, um, and I think we're still st- we're still stuck with those to a certain extent. Paul, you're a punk kid. What do you think? I think it really depends on uh, what was on your bed sheets when you were a kid. I had Superman bed sheets, mm-hmm. so yeah. merchandising is everything. Well, merchandising, ne- merchandising. Now is completely different. I mean, there's more stuff now than we would have. I mean, uh, Connor and I in 1982 would have lost our fucking minds <laughs> at the amount of stuff that is available now. Right. You know, and even you, Paul, you know, like, like it came on, I think, you know, it was I, when you were a little kid, there wasn't stuff everywhere, but it's nothing like there is now. You just get, oh, if you like superheroes, man, you were living in the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think the Avengers movie is, it's, it's too early to even see what the effects are. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to be a huge sea change in terms of the superheroes that kids relate to or yeah. are familiar with these days. Or even if you even if you look at like like I'm thinking of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Um, yeah, actually, you know what, Spider-Man. See, since the '90s, Spider-Man has always had a really big presence. Actually, before that, I guess if you're talking about Spider-Man, is Amazing Friends. Yeah, it's sort of always Spider-Man's been, a Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been animated some way, shape, or form. Since the 60s. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up, I mean, I watched Batman and then I would, you know, watch the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. I would go so far as to say that the reason that Superman edges out Spider-Man in terms of little kids, I'm talking about like, like when you first start to recognize characters and superheroes is because his face, Superman's face isn't covered. Also, I think the wonder of the powers. Sure. You put your cape on fly, which is is for a kid is mind blowing. Yeah. But he's also, all, like these are primary colors. Yeah, it's very it, yeah, and, and the face, and it's very simple. And plus, Spider-Man's from Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Scumbag. 
but it's a, it is an interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy into the black and white versus gray. I mean, we we had this long discussion on the video show a couple of years ago. We did an hour on this. I think at this point now, there's no real difference. But if, I think the DNA. The more important difference is the is the legacy aspect versus the non-legacy aspect. Yeah, yeah. It's really. But even that DC sort of scuttled that with the new fifty two. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I think that that's that's gone now. But that those those roots are deep. So it's still sort of always there. And it's you know they're gonna keep going back and playing on that. You know, there, there's no one. No one is telling a Superman story without being like with Jor El and and Pa Kent being really strong figures. And they're not the ones that stick around. Are not the ones that that make it. Um, uh, they're more straightforward. Like they're right. characters to be admired. Right. You know, they try to do the other thing where I guess like the Black Hand, like it was Thomas Wayne, like a like a shithead. I don't think those work as well. They don't resonate yeah. the same way. So, I mean, his question here: Do you think characters or universes lend themselves to a younger audience, specifically DC? I don't. I think they both lend themselves to younger audiences. I do too. I don't think that the rules apply so much anymore, just to old farts. But even I mean, just in general, the general. Yeah. I mean, kids watch Spider-Man. They watch the Avengers cartoons on Disney XD, and those are mainly the kids. And they watch the Teen Titans, and they you know they watch right. all of. Them. And then the adults watch the directed TV movies, which are and, they, and the adults also watch the children's shows and they complain about them. <laughs> right. Well, I, I don't like I, this show, but I think some of the more popular Marvel characters are more iconoclastic or even anarchist. Like it's it's about like Spider Man is about fighting, you know, like parent like adults and yeah. parent parental figures. You know, mm-hmm. all of his I, villains are, are older than he is. He's a teenager. Wolverine is, you know, he he kills. What about so, Iron Man, though? He's arguably the most popular superhero in the world right now. Yeah, but I still feel like he's not. I don't. I don't feel like he's the character. And if you watch like like Ultimate Spider-Man or you watch whatever, he doesn't seem to be the. He's not the one that's relatable to kids. He still always plays an older parent figure. No, totally. But it just. I mean, he's. But he's the one. You know, and a lot of it's Robert Downey Jr. But he's. I mean, he's yeah. the most popular superhero in the world right now. Probably. I mean, if you look at just the box office from the movies he's in. And I, he doesn't really fit that mold. He's an old. He's an older guy. He's a rich guy. He's a addict. industrialist. He's an addict. He's a, <laughs> he's a dick to little kids in an amusing yep. way. But you know, it's, it's it's interesting. He doesn't fit that Spider-Man. He, all he did was tell that kid the truth. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, "Don't be a pussy. Dads leave." It's what they do. Oh, watch it. If only somebody fucking told me that, <laughs> would have saved a lot of therapy. I've never been to therapy. <laughs> oh, I want to watch that right now. I just want to watch that scene. I don't. I, I don't remember literally anything else about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best part. Oh. So I think it's a great question, Josh from Chicago. Thank you for writing in. In between eating brats, we're doing this during lunchtime for me, so I'm just thinking about brats. But thank you. If you want to write in, like Josh, write to contact at ifanboy.com. Leave your name, tell us where you're from, or call our voicemail line eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven. To send us a voicemail, keep it around 30 seconds, and also tell us your name and where you're from. We'll get you on the show. Paul, yes. you just put out another uh, Booksplode. We did. You can check out the Akira Volumes 3 and 4 Booksplode uh, that I did with Scotty Young. That was uh, quite a good time. And then the end of this month, we'll do uh, we'll wrap it up with 5 and 6 and talk about the movie a bit. Have you read 5 and 6? I haven't yet. I'm Are you excited? Reading it as I go. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> It's it's crazy because I remember like scenes that I think fondly of as being like ten. That was a great ten page sequence. I go back and check, and it's like forty or fifty pages. It's it's like a flip book almost. 
just how, you know, hmm. decompressed it is. That's the word I was looking for. Well, check those out. Check those I wish out. there were new volumes of those, but they're not. Yeah. Also, if you're listening to the show, you probably by now know who the Yellow King is. So right. you want to listen to the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast. Right? I'm, I'm sad that this is wrapping up. Yes, we're going to be talking about season one, the end of season one of uh, True Detective, and I guess our wish list for what we'd like from season two. And I think all of us are reading that uh, King in Yellow book. It's on my Kindle. I haven't actually read it yet to crack it open. There's yet. like 700 versions of it available yeah. on Kindle. They're all free. And some of them have like True Detective in the name. <laughs> oh, well, some people, I mean, it's public domain now, right? right. So people are just yeah. jumping on the bandwagon. And I, I got it right when it was free. So I think I have the true version. <laughs> and we just but hope that it ends with, and he really was the true detective. I'm just, ter- I'm honestly, I'm scared to read it. I'll be honest. I'm going to lay it out here. I don't want to read a book in addition to watching a show. You don't have to. You don't have to. I'm not going to. You don't have to. I resent that. No one one says you have to, Josh. You're you're implying it. You're making your, it's, I'm a little resentful. I wasn't going to, I I definitely, I haven't started it yet. I'm going to wait until after the show is over because I just want to watch the show for the show. But then you can easily forget it. I will then, you know, start a cult of murderers. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. There's a really good chance that that's going to happen too. Yeah, I would, mm-hmm. I would watch that's that. True. So that's, that's over true. on Fuzzy Typewriter. One uh, more person who doesn't use their turn signal. I'm going to start a murder cult. I got bad news about that, buddy. <laughs> I don't know how much. Listen, I haven't lived in LA for a while, but and I don't know how much has changed, but probably if, not that much. If uh, if time is in fact a flat circle, <laughs> there you go. God, driving here is awful. Head over to ifanboy.com. Comment on this show, this week's books. That's where you can find Paul's Books Blows about Akira and any other special podcasts we do do. You can all find them there. We're, we're also going to be we're going to be talking about that new Marvel movie, speaking of, that Punisher oh, yes. Black Widow animated that, feature. That is coming out on the 25th, I believe. Oh, I need to make a note of that. Also, there's the Sin City trailer came out, which completely slipped past me. That comes out this year. So we got another movie to talk about. Yeah. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which looks really good. Big fan of the first film, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll all be found at ifanboy.com eventually. Until then, follow us at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. That's where you'll find out what the pick of the week is before we do the show. And you can also follow us all personally at C.S. Kilpatrick, J.A. Flanagan, and Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter. This is the part when I say the thing we just said a few minutes ago. <laughs> Email us at con- – every week I think I'd like to take this out of the script here. We can take it out. We can do we can- it. I know. I just only think about it right now when I'm about to do it and the recording is on. Oh, sh- the recording is on. We're on. People are listening to us talk about this stuff. Contact at ifanboy.com. Leave a voicemail. 888-FANBOYS. 3262-697. In case that didn't get through to your head four minutes ago or we made you forget about it when we talked about that show. If this is a thing you like, you should write a review of it in iTunes. Even if you don't like it, tell us what's wrong and we'll try and fix it. Let us know on iTunes. Helps people find the show. Yes, we all know Josh is annoying. We can't do anything about it. At this point, we're, we're stuck with it. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> a what? This is first time hearing of that. Can you imagine having to live with me? No. no. In fact, the other, the other day, the other day, I had to explain to someone that we, you and I, in fact, never lived together. Did that surprise like, that, you? No. Someone, someone thought we had. I said, no, no. <laughs> or Ron. None of us have ever lived together. That's I think every we're... I think everyone assumes that that you guys and Ron and, and Gordon all lived in like a real world house. Josh and Gordon lived together. Uh-huh. Ron and Gordon, Ron lived, and Gordon together. lived together. I never lived with any of them, and that's why we're all still friends. Yeah, yeah. I slept I on Josh's floor once. Yeah, I remember my roommate from college once was like, 
I don't want to live with Josh again. Who is that? Simmons. Oh, oh, wow. He says that. Yeah, I know. I was. I. I don't know. Listen, I had. You know, whatever. I'm annoying in a whole different way. That's now. it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Listen, if I don't get to go to the therapy, I got to get this out somewhere. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Del does. <laughs>